The House of Mouse is running it back with Disney Plus Day. Gotham Knights has its first official trailer, and yes, it's still Morbin time. All that, plus our spoiler-free initial thoughts on Miss Marvel, our streaming show wish lists for the future. Oh, and Kenobi, Kenobi, Kenobi. It's the Direct Podcast, episode 94. Let's get busy. Truth is, we need new heroes. Thanks for the lesson. This is the way. In my culture, I am a Jedi. I am birthed with glorious purpose. We're all villains here. Not us united. I'm a superhero! Welcome inside The Direct Podcast, episode 94. I am your host, The Content Machine, Liam Crowley, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Call Sign Goose, Matt Remke. Matt, how was your weekend? How was your week in general? It's been a minute. It has been a minute, Liam. It's uh, it's great to be back. I'm ready to do some of that podcaster shit. You know what I mean? I'm ready to. I'm ready to. I got. I got the need. The need for podcasting. You know what I'm saying? It's. Um. I was uh, inverted, looking at this uh, rundown today. So I'm very excited. A lot of Top Gun puns coming our way, right? A lot of uh, Stranger Things references coming our way, but mostly I can't wait to talk about the universes you love. It's great to be back, man. How are you? How was your trip? How was your time off? It was great. Very refreshing, very resetting. And like I said to you on the phone during our little pre-production call, it was a nice duration. You know, I got my beach in, I got my pool in, uh, I got my nightlife in, but now I'm ready to go back to, to work. And we say this all the time on the direct podcast. It doesn't ever feel like work because the content is so great. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I very much enjoyed the first two episodes and episode three, I feel like kind of raised the bar in some circumstances. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But Matt, we do have a scheduling update to give the listeners on this episode. Nothing too crazy. The first thing we will let you know is that our Miss Marvel primer. Yeah, that show's creeping up just one week away over on Disney+. Plus. We have our preview show, our primer edition for Miss Marvel dropping this Friday, June 3rd. So make sure you subscribe to the Direct Podcast so you don't miss that episode. And yes, Matt and I have seen the first two episodes, but don't worry. We recorded this primer well before we watched any footage. So everything you hear in that episode is completely spoiler free because we didn't know the spoilers to begin with. On top of that, though, when Miss Marvel does arrive on Wednesday, June 8th, it's going to run concurrently with Obi-Wan Kenobi episode four. And then the following week, episode two will run with episode five and so on and so forth until Kenobi wraps up. So with that being said, because we are going to be covering two episodes of Disney Plus television in the same episode on the same day, expect these podcast episodes to drop a little later in the afternoon. We've been trying to get them out at noon Eastern, maybe sometimes 1 p.m. and all that. Expect them more around three or four to make sure we're able to get all of our thoughts in, to get everything edited together, and also to make sure you, the listener, can watch both episodes of television, because I'm sure some people will prioritize one over the other, and that's all cool and well, but we want to make sure everyone's able to enjoy all the content we're getting, because Matt, we got homework. (laughs) We got a lot Mm -hmm. of homework. Got a lot to do, man. There's a lot coming down the pipe, and I'm very excited for all of it. Red brand, yellow brand are representing moving forward, so we will be doing everything we can to make sure that we get all of that content to you once a week, everything you need to know about the universes you love. Yeah, and that homework, Matt, goes beyond Miss Marvel and Kenobi. I know you're very much enjoying Stranger Things. I just started. I'm a little behind. I'm also watching Severance right now. Oh, and The Boys Season 3 drops in two days. I There's so much going on 
But fortunately, as I mentioned before, we have gotten a little ahead of the curve because we were able to see Miss Marvel episodes one and two just a little bit early. And as we've liked to do in the past when we do get early access, we want to give you, the listener, our spoiler-free thoughts on this show, the first two episodes. So no quick question this week. Reminder, if you do want to get a quick question in the show, drop those over in the iTunes reviews, leave five stars and also a question, and we'll make sure to prioritize it and get it on this show. But this week, we're going to talk a little Miss Marvel. Matt, I think we're very much on the same page with this show, but I want to hear it out loud. I only read your tweets. What are your overall thoughts on Miss Marvel through episodes one and two? There's so much to love about this show so far, only two episodes in, but um, it, it, this feels the most like a streaming TV series, if that makes sense. You know, it, it feels, excuse me, <clears throat> feels like a Netflix series, feels like a Hulu series. It feels like a high school drama made in 2022, which I love. I love all high school content, high school romance, high school hijinks, you know, the, you know, the drama, the the um the ins and outs of a younger you know teenage relationships that's something i think it's one of the most relatable types of content you could put out there putting an mcu spin on that while also just nodding to so much classic high school content we've gotten in the past everything's coming together to make this such a lovable show there's not a lot to pick apart two episodes in simply because it is small scale it is in your neighborhood it is you know just a handful of characters and their personal relationships oh yeah by the way one of them's a superhero which is really cool i like when they approach a project like this once again hey uh, liam big shot coming your way i love one of the new marvel superheroes you know who who, who knew it's another grand slam casting by uh, you know the entire team at Marvel Studios finding Amon Viani to do this role. I think she's perfect. I think she's immediately charming and she's someone that you root for right off the jump. And uh, you know what surprised me the most was two things. One, the cast around her, I thought was just great. You know, her parents, her friends, her adversaries throughout the first two episodes, all just engaging and fun to, we all, we all can see somebody we know in the majority of these characters, which is always super fun. And also the visuals, not the visuals you might think, but there are certain visual cues in this show that are the best I've seen done in what they're trying to do. And I think that that's something I didn't expect there's there's a base level of awesome in a show like this because it is so small scale and I cannot wait to move forward so it can grow a little bit it can stretch a little bit but right now I'm loving the characters I'm loving the setup can't wait for more Miss Marvel Matt just sent me about 20 verbal iMessages and I'm emphasizing every single one I echo <laughs> everything you just said right there and yeah I want to spotlight the uh, Amon Viani Casting a little bit more, shout out Kevin Feige, shout out Sarah Finn, the whole crew at Marvel Studios that never miss with these actors and uh, character pairings. What I really love about Amon Viani, though, is how authentic it is. Uh, I've said before on this podcast, my favorite pro wrestlers are the ones whose on-screen characters are an extension of their own personalities because it's much easier to come off as real when you're not playing someone that you're not. And Amon Viani, with her very limited filmography credits, it's clear that she is so involved in the MCU and so so good for this role because she is genuinely a fan behind the scenes. And the character of Kamala Khan is that. She's an Avengers super fan before she becomes Miss Marvel. And after she becomes Miss Marvel, she's still very glossy-eyed at the thought of being in this enhanced world. So I love the casting of Amon Viani. Like you said, those visuals, something else, man. Like you, so good. Very, when you say made for TV, 
a lot of people might shy away from that and be like, oh man, like made for TV, like lesser budget. Like, no, like, like these, the visual cues feel so serialized. Uh, it's not something you would expect out of uh, a theatrical movie. And I think that kind of creative twist uh, is going to keep viewers engaged. And yeah, I, I said it in, in my, my tweets too, because I always get a little hesitant about glorifying anything before the general public sees it. I have nothing but positive things to say, but my one qualifier I'll put on it is it's not groundbreaking. It's not going to change the MCU. It probably won't land in a top 15 because of that. The, the stakes aren't that grand. The emotion, I think, is getting there. A lot of Spider-Man Homecoming vibes so far. But I really appreciate what they're going for in this series. Spotlighting a character, doing a mini kind of character study, while also weaving in some Pakistani culture, which is educational for the general public uh, who's going to be watching this show. And also just really delightful for any Pakistani viewers who are going to be able to see themselves in these characters and also the world building too. We're coming off of Moon Knight, which was so centralized on one character and really emphasizing his story. And yes, it exists in the greater world, but we don't really get to see that greater world around him. Miss Marvel is all about the greater world around her, but not for the fan service moments, not for the, oh, hey, I recognize that. Oh, hey, did she just say that? It feels like a natural part of the show. It doesn't feel like they're, you know, bending stuff and forcing stuff in to make everyone happy. It just feels like, well, she's a super fan. Of course, this is going to be a big part of her world. Yeah, and I think that with all of that, you know, you mentioned something, you know, it's not going to be groundbreaking, but it is going to be expansive. The organic way they do that just makes it feel so, um, you know, charming is kind of the buzzword of this show, right? You know, everybody, it's it's been a feature in almost everybody's review that you've seen on Twitter is the word charming, which, and it's hard not to use that word because it's so what it is. But, um, you know, semi-mini spoiler, I guess, the way, um, you know, like, it's not just that she references things going on in the MCU, when somebody gets something wrong, she's like, no, 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 that's not right. You know, it's very nerdy. And I, I love that. I love, I love the organicness of her passion, of her, of her fandom for all of this stuff. And it's so interesting. Um, you mentioned homecoming and I think it's just, it gets me so excited for X-Men. It really does the way the MCU is handling children. Um, but it's um, you look at Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, Moon Knight was so dramatic and, and, for the majority of the time for the better because it's a very dramatic show it's emotional it's deep introducing a brand new character for the first time on disney plus in such a dramatic cinematic intense way is so different than how they're doing it with 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 miss marvel in such a fun loving more laid back get to know this girl kind of way and it's not it's it's not um steven grant and the mystery it's not kamala khan and whatever mystery is going about there's plenty of mystery in the show surprising amount of mystery but it really is more just laid back like uh, boots on the ground kind of character development and that is my favorite kind of thing that the mcu does is establish such a fun light-hearted organic character and world and then surprise us with a dramatic twist or an emotional beat or a crazy action scene this that the other i like being surprised by that kind of stuff while I'm already so entranced in such a friendly atmosphere that Miss Marvel has. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing what the general public thinks about this show and also seeing how the general public reacts to this show opposite Kenobi, because I do think that this is a nice foil for Kenobi. Very different tones, very 100%. different types of action, very different stylistic choices. And so them being on the same day, I, I do still think is a bummer because we'd love to spread the wealth and dedicate one day to Kenobi and one day to Miss Marvel. But I think if two are going to work simultaneously 
it could be these two. So here's hoping everyone enjoys both. And we'll be giving you our spoiler filled thoughts on Miss Marvel episode one in just one week's time. But right here, right now, we got to give you all the top news from the universes you love. You know it. You love it. It's the sizzle reel. Kicking things off with some Marvel news, Disney Plus Day arrives once again this September, September 9th. Can we expect more looks at Secret Invasion, Ironheart, maybe a confirmation on that Halloween special we're all looking for? Plenty of options on the table. Let's let's find out what we're going to get. Matt, I don't know about you, but my watch has been stuck on Morbin time for a full week. Morbius has been trending for over seven straight days now with fans getting behind the Marvel legend in a sarcastic cult classic way. Now to something that actually could get a sequel. Hawkeye has shifted its awards campaign. Clinton Kate's excellent adventure is pivoting consideration away from the limited series and into outstanding comedy category, indicating Marvel could be developing Hawkeye season two. Switching over to the blue brand, The CW has debuted the first trailer for the upcoming Gotham Knights series. Is this the show that resurrects the CW's DC Universe momentum? That's a good question. And finally, in news from a galaxy far, far away, the Mandalorian mastermind himself, Jon Favreau, has teased the long-anticipated crossover event which shows within the Mando side of the galaxy, noting that how these projects come together is, quote, all to be discovered. And for more, and for more information on everything you need to know from the universes you love, make sure to check out thedirect.com. What about the people in the back? You paused for a second, so I thought I was taking it. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay, ladies and gentlemen. That is thedirect.com. Calm, Liam, real quick before we dive into it, I wanted to let you know, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode with Jack Pugh, shout out Jack Pugh's great guest host performance. The people in the back never take a week off. They are always here. They are our third host every single week. Those people in the back making sure that we're in check. I'm glad that the nosebleeds still sell out because Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's what makes the show keep going. I, I love that. And I did listen to, to last week's episode. The plane ride was actually the exact duration of the podcast. So Perfect. shout out Jack Pews, shout out David Thompson, both just encyclopedias of Star Wars knowledge, uh, putting my, my Clone Wars and animated side knowledge to shame. But uh, thank you guys so much for stepping in and making a great episode. It was fun to tune in as a fan, but Matt, we have so much to break down this week in news. We'll start with the trailer because I feel like anytime we have a trailer in the sizzle reel, that's what we kick off with. Not exactly a breakdown, just kind of our overall thoughts. Gotham Knights. Matt, I'm not going to lie. I saw the online response before watching this full trailer and people hate this. Hate. H-A-T-E, all capitals. Because (laughs) they just think the ensemble's goofy. They think it's CW corniness. And also, it's a new CW show that's debuting following what we see on HBO Max and Disney+. Plus. And when you kind of have that comparison, once you fly first class, it's hard to go back to coach. Right. Everything looks a little bit lesser than. What were your overall thoughts on the Gotham Knights initial trailer? Um, I am not a CW DC watcher. I don't watch really any of those shows. I've seen bits and pieces of a handful of them. I did watch the first two or three episodes of, uh, I'm sorry, two or three seasons of um, Gotham. 
which which okay. <clears throat> I I enjoyed. I watched it in college. I thought it was fun, just out of nowhere Batman content. And this has that kind of vibe where it's like the world around Batman is a little more of the focus of it. But um, this feels like a CW DC show. So if you love that kind of stuff, uh, shout out to our friends at Bam Smack Pow um, who cover that stuff religiously, which is awesome for them. Um, it's just not something I'm personally into. So I don't want to like say it's bad or anything because I really don't know. But it does very much feel like one of those um, shows that like it, it, it feels dated, weirdly enough, even though it has so many modern sensibilities to it. Um, uh, the most I can say, everybody in this show has great hair so far which is something I always, you know, put a lot of precedence on. So that's really cool. You know, can't get bad at good hair, right? Um, yeah, I don't really have a ton to say other than um, I do like Batman content. I am excited to see if this is surprisingly good. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, this is goofy, man. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. goofy. I, I and It's goofy, not exactly in an all bad way. There were some aspects of this trailer that I was like, oh, maybe I actually might tune in for an episode or two. And then I remembered, oh, it's the CW. It's 23 episodes. And my attention span is barely enough for these <laughs> six episode Disney Plus shows. So I actually, I don't even know if this is 23, but that's how Arrow started. That's how The Flash started. I believe that's how Batwoman started. And Smallville used to be 25 back in the day. I, I don't think that this is overall awful, but I think it is kind of deceptive because we see Gotham Knights in the title and my admitted ignorance thought that this was going to be an ensemble similar to the upcoming video game Gotham Knights, which has your main event players minus Batman. It has your Red Hood. It has your Robin. It has your Nightwing. It has your Batgirl. This, we got Turner Hayes. Yeah. The, the Joker's daughter, allegedly, but I did some research and she's that's just like a, a moniker. She's actually not really related to him, at least in the comics. Maybe she is here. We got Carrie oh, Kelly please. Robin, even though she's not referred to as Robin. She just breaks her alias immediately and says, hey, I'm Carrie Kelly. Uh, people will recognize Carrie Kelly from the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel. Uh, she's the Robin who's traditionally Caucasian and has like the red hair and the big glasses and everything. Right, that's, right the, that's the most notable name is Carrie Kelly. And she's like the fifth most popular Robin in the comics. So again, I think Gotham Knights, it's a deceptive title. Harvey Dent's in this, but he's not Two-Face. He's just a young this, Harvey Dent. Very young <laughs> Harvey Dent. Yeah, meh. I mean, I, I already got a lot on my plate uh, beyond, you know, the, the shows we cover on this podcast because the Boys is coming, Stranger Things I'm behind on, and Severance has my full attention span right now. I don't see a world where I add Gotham Knights to my catalog. Who knows, though? You know, Superman and Lois, I thought that was a goofy idea at first, and people still say it's one of the better on-screen adaptations of Clark Kent's ever done. So who knows? The CW, is it going to work? I don't see this show going beyond one season, but at the same time, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can hope for at this point. I I do feel like we've done the people around Bruce Wayne thing a lot. Isn't that a lot of what, like, Titan Season 3 is? Is just, yeah. like, the, the Wayne manner and, like, you know, tiptoeing around showing Batman in a lot of stuff. It's, it's just interesting that they keep going back to that well instead of 
building out a solo character so eventually we can get this kind of show and like care about who's in it and stuff like that like they seem to be creating a new character a new wayne character in that turner hayes kid let's have a turner hayes show you know i know that's a harder sell because it doesn't say gotham knights on it but that's what good trailers are for and uh yeah it's just you know it, this is one of those things where i'm gonna need somebody to tell me it's good before i really dive in yeah, I'm right there with you. One thing that I don't think either of us need any convincing on is Disney Plus Day, Matt, Absolutely. because Disney Plus Day last year, at first we were like, where is everything? That was a bit of a letdown. And then they were like, oh, go over to Disney Plus and there's a 10 minute sizzle reel highlighting all of our upcoming projects. You're welcome. Thank us Here in advance. Disney Plus Day this year coming up on September 9th, a month earlier or two months earlier, I think. It, it happens around the October, November time last year so you know september 9th is going to be after miss marvel wraps up it'll be in the middle of when she hulk is airing it'll be well before secret invasion iron heart armor wars whatever else is on the 2023 slate for the marvel side at least i do want to focus a little bit of our analysis on the mcu for this one sure. what footage you think is going to land in this disney plus day so i think that we're going to get a similar sizzle reel where we get bits and pieces of things. Now that a few of these trailers have come out, getting a little taste of Moon Knight, getting a little taste of She-Hulk, um, you know, getting like little tidbits of things in that sizzle reel last year. Now that we've seen a She-Hulk trailer and Moon Knight has come out, Miss Marvel, we've seen the first couple episodes. I like that. I, li I like remembering those small glimpses we got of those characters. So I'm trying to think of like, what's the next crop? Um, it's it's interesting Disney Plus Day. I know this wasn't Disney Plus Day, but the Super Bowl Disney Plus commercial, you know, uh, the 2019 one, um, Wanda, Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier, like those, like the 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 big three of Disney Plus back then. I like how they're grouping these big reveals and chunks of characters. So I think you know, looking forward, who's next on the list? It's Ironheart. It's um, Werewolf by Night, hopefully. Um, but it's also Secret Wars, man. That's a big one, and I think that getting a lot of what's up secret invasion what i say secret wars man that'd be cool though yeah that'd be really cool <laughs> you got um, me like no. freaking out for a second absolutely secret invasion rather sorry about that it's early over here um but uh secret invasion that's going to be a big one that's going to be a it's going to be a tough one to navigate if you know you're not paying close attention i feel like it's going to be one of the more intricate Disney Plus shows that Marvel Studios is putting out. So I, I hope, my big prediction and hope, I guess, is that we get an emphasis on Secret Wars. We get a really, like, a good featurette explaining what's going on, explaining kind of the premise of the show so people can get excited going in. Because, you know, pitching this show to common MCU fans, it's, uh, you know, a bunch of your characters were undercover as scrolls the whole time. Well, the Captain Marvel scroll twist makes that a little tough because scrolls are the good guys, right? Which I, I think is really cool. How do you play that off? I think having some good promotion leading up to it's going to help a lot of the general public get behind what I expect to be the biggest Disney Plus show yet. I got an issue with Secret Invasion. Look at that. Ooh, bad boy. Um, I love the logo too, especially how they've adapted it for the Disney Plus show. I uh, like how it's evolved when it started out as kind of the yellow and red as noted in the comics. And now it's kind of been more parasitical with, with the green and the purple and everything. And that's a logo I think is going to evolve with each episode, kind of like how the Walking Dead logo back in the day got yes. more and more frayed as the seasons continued. I think each episode will be a little bit more green showing that the scrolls are taking over but yeah i think uh very much so that secret invasion i won't say is the main event of disney plus day this year 
I think it'll play second fiddle to She-Hulk. I think they'll spotlight a lot of back half season She-Hulk because that show's kicking off, I believe, on August 17th. So when September 9th rolls around, because She-Hulk is a longer season, I believe it's nine episodes, right. we'll be around the halfway point. So I think they might show us a second half of the season trailer, per se. Um, and then within that, we get some more looks at Secret Invasion. And I really don't think it's going to be a plotty thing. I think it's going to be very much a sizzle reel, throwing out the highlights and everything. And we get more shots of Samuel L. Jackson, maybe showing Amelia Clark's character, showing how Olivia Coleman factors into this show. And beyond that, I do think we get our first look at Riri Williams' Ironheart, because as we know, she will be debuting in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is on November 8th. So two months to the day before Wakanda Forever arrives will be Disney Plus Day. And if we don't have a trailer for Black Panther by then, I would be shocked. So I think this is a perfect time to be like, oh yeah, that character that you saw in a couple frames in that Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer, she's actually getting her own show. So make sure you pay extra close attention to her moving forward in Black Panther. Question to you, how do we feel now that we've gotten a couple of them? How do we feel about characters in shows and movies that we know are getting sequels or shows beyond them you know it's the it's the infinity war thing we knew another spider-man was coming out you know so when he died there was a little weirdness going on even though it was a great moment because that's a great movie but um wandavision we knew she was going to be in multiverse madness hawkeye we knew echo was getting a show things like that how do we feel about that so far how they're playing that it it is a little odd to me um only because it does take some weight out of it like this isn't a spoiler for Kenobi, but there were some times in this episode he was in peril. Gasp, right? Shocking. A show about hunting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Occasionally he gets in danger. Never once do I fear for him. Never once do I fear yeah. even, you know, a roadie situation where he's going to get hurt drastically because I know Kenobi. what he looks like come episode four. So it's a little different with the MCU because, you know, we don't know what Ironheart looks like come her show. But we do know her show is coming and it does kind of take a little bit of the weight off of any situations of danger she could be in. But at the same time, I, I don't hate it. I, I think it shows a lot of faith in the characters. And I like the idea of, because correct me if I'm wrong, introducing a character in a movie and then having them spin off to a show. I think it's only been vice versa. Uh, Yelena Belova. But she she wasn't like the main character of her show. Right. No, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So like this is a this is a first, and we know the whole Namor situation. It's been well touted that Namor is only getting a a trilogy in the movies, or he's only getting a streaming show if audiences react well to him. So he's very performance-based. While Ironheart, it's like, no, you're a prospect, but we're signing you to a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep on Black Panther, man. Tons of stuff coming in that movie. I think it's gonna be huge. Cannot wait. Um I think a big thing that you need to do in that respect, and I think they did a good job with Echo, don't put them in danger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like don't, don't, don't have a scene where like the crux of it is, is this person going to make it out if we know they're not? You know what I mean? Like, you know, play your cards how they're dealt. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, laying, it's laying up ahead of the green instead of going for the hole when you know you have a good short game coming up. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that point. One thing I did want to spotlight a little bit more that you said at the very beginning uh, Werewolf by Night, we have to be getting something regarding that, you know? It's like Way before Disney day. Plus Day. <laughs> I, I actually don't. I think this could be the day they announce it. That's crazy. Like, that's 
you know, if it, if it is a Halloween special, mm-hmm. you know, that's less than that. Yeah, it's like a month and a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna look I, up when October 31st. The the only October 31st falls on the 31st. You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I say it's that, a Monday. <laughs> I, I say that because it's a one episode deal. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you can't have Good a three month marketing campaign for something that's going to be 50 minutes, you know, a one-off deal. So I think that they might, you know, have set photos are going to come out. We're going to hear Michael Giacchino talk more about, I believe his directorial debut, which is crazy. forgot about that. <laughs> Absolute wizard when it comes to Hollywood. Um, so I think we'll see some more behind the scenes stuff, but I don't think we see a title card or a any official footage until Disney Plus Day. I could be wrong because obviously D23 is happening. Obviously San Diego Comic-Con is happening. Marvel, we expect to have a presence at both. Maybe we see a title card, but footage, I think footage guaranteed not shown until Disney Plus Day. The one episode thing you've sold me. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's a great argument. Yeah, so who knows? And also one more thing before we shift over to Hawkeye season two. The Guardians Christmas special. Oh God! We probably I'm see so something. Probably see yeah. like one team up shot. That'll be the Nick Fury stinger we got last year. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, man, I forgot we got that frame from Nick Fury at the end of that yeah. with the beard and the eye, crazy. But that that's going to be the last shot. Is going to be the Guardians with some sort of holiday iconography somewhere around them—a menorah, a Santa hat, a sleigh, whatever, something. Oh. I want more cable. It's so bad. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. And speaking of things they could announce at some point this year, Hawkeye season two, something we didn't exactly expect to be on the docket because so many of the 2021 Disney plus shows ended up just being legacy projects. WandaVision confirmed only one season. The spiritual successor will be Agatha house of Harkness, but we will not see a WandaVision season two because that show was submitted in the limited series category at the Emmys. And that's basically axing any possibility of there being a future season. It didn't end up getting that nomination. It didn't walk away with the victory though. But on the other hand, other shows we got in 2021, Loki already confirmed for season two. That was the post-credit scene of the season finale. Falcon Winter Soldier, on the other hand, getting a spiritual successor in the form of Captain America 4 with Anthony Mackie in the lead. But that show also in the same vein as WandaVision, a one-off. But the difference between Falcon Winter Soldier and WandaVision was Falcon and Winter Soldier was pushed for consideration towards the best drama series, not limited series. So there's still possibility we could get a Falcon Winter Soldier season two, even though it's basically certified that was a setup for the eventual Captain America 4. I say this all because Hawkeye has pivoted its awards campaign away from the limited series and into comedy series so that being said it does leave the door open for a season two but at the same time falcon winter soldier made the same pivot and that's also not getting a season two like wandavision i think that there's two camps here it's either disney trying to spread the wealth and bring home as many awards as possible loki is up for best drama moon knight is up for best limited and hawkeye is up for best comedy at least you know for consideration no nominations have been certified yet those don't come out until july They'll get nominated though. I I would think, I think least, Loki Loki yeah, gets nominated. Sure. I don't know if Hawkeye qualifies. Like Hawkeye Gone being beat. best comedy. Remember when The Martian was nominated for best comedy at the Golden Globes? I do. I it's do. So, it's so funny. He's stranded in space. I've never seen it. You might never see his loved ones again. 
It's hilarious. Yeah. There are some good dark comedies. Oh, you ever see that Ice Guys? Oh, of course. Shame uh, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe. So damn good, man. So good. Incredible. They're they're great together. But yeah, I do think that Loki is a lock. Moon Knight, you know, I think if the critic consensus takes over the, the fan reception, not that the fan reception was bad, but it wasn't overall like this is art like WandaVision or Loki was. Um, I think that Disney has a good chance. But regardless, Hawkeye season two, the awards pivot. Is this because season two is on the way or is this because Disney wants to try and spread the wealth? It's, it's, it, I don't, I really don't know. I really don't know um, how the thing is about Hawkeye is it couldn't be more open-ended how it ended. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if we got more Kate and Clint adventures, which could be cool. I love the idea of Kate kind of taking like a, a show about like much like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a show about Kate being Hawkeye, like being an Avenger, like give me that Peter Parker story again, but with Kate Bishop, um, it's, and I'm, I'm too hung up on it. I know I'm too hung up on it. Her age, the fact that she is 22 years old, the fact that she is more adult than the other kid, quote unquote, kid heroes we've seen in the MCU. But I mean, this would be great young Avengers setup. You know what I mean? You know, she meets an Eli Bradley. She meets a Cassie Lang, you know, all those different things. It's just, I can't get past the age gap. I want her to have more adult stories. You know, she's drinking booze. She's, you know, at parties, you know, she's making all these, she's got her own place in New York, all these things. She doesn't seem like a kid at any point. So I don't know if Young Avengers is the move here, but I don't know if we even get a season two because I think that Haley Steinfeld and Kate Bishop is destined for more movie type stuff. Like a Hawkeye movie with Kate Bishop, I think could really play. You know, I think it could be a very fun cinematic experience. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I got a foot in both camps with this. It just depends on what their strategy is for this character. And the, the biggest question for me, I want to ask you, when do we see Kate Bishop next? Like, if not Hawkeye season two, like, when would she show up next? Like, it, I feel like she is so in a pocket right now that she has to show up in her own project because I don't see her coming in Echo. I don't see her coming in a Daredevil show just because, you know, that that, that wasn't really a connection they made um, in that Hawkeye series. So where do you think we see Kate Bishop next? I laugh because those are the, the only two projects I could Shit. see her in. Is so sorry. That's bad podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, that's you reading my mind because I was trying to rationalize. I was like, well, what are the other street level shows out there coming up? Echo and Daredevil. Does she mm -hmm. naturally fit into either? She has a connection to Echo, but Daredevil, you're kind of forcing in a little bit. Maybe She-Hulk because She-Hulk obviously has some Daredevil connections. It's a little bigger picture. It's a little more avenging, but it still is street ground level i i really i really don't know the the future of kate bishop again i think they want to utilize Haley steinfeld while she's still young because as you mentioned of course she's on the older side but i think she's more young avengers than she is adult avengers she even though she's probably at a similar age to when elizabeth olsen started in age of ultron but elizabeth olsen has different always story. felt yeah very different she's always felt like an adult in these movies mm -hmm. like i know the like you know she's a kid give me she's a just break. a kid like, you know she's she's a kid in the sense that you are 93 captain america and she's like 27 <laughs> um 
Yeah, so I, I do think a Hawkeye season two could work because I don't think you're forcing more Clint Barton if you do so. Hawkeye obviously is a mantle at this point because we expect Kate Bishop to kind of, she'll always be Kate Bishop, don't get me wrong. I feel like everyone will refer to her as Kate Bishop upon first reference, but she could get a Hawkeye title moving forward. And something I put here in our rundown, Matt, is that she could potentially fully lead the show, not just be the female lead. She could be the sole lead of this show and Renner could show up in two or three episodes when she needs advice. And maybe, you know, he comes in with a bow and arrow. And like you said too, factor in an Eli Bradley, maybe have, you know, some Miss Marvel ties because she's going to be in New Jersey, which is not too far from Manhattan. Obviously we see the New York skyline in all the Miss Marvel trailers too. So like there, there's connections to be had. There's a way Hawkeye season two could serve a much bigger purpose than just, extending the Hawkeye lore, but it could be planting the seeds very deliberately for Young Avengers. You see, we all wanted Cap on the moon, right? We wanted, you know, old Steve Rogers with some gray hair. How big of a pop do we get if Jeremy Ritter comes on screen with a little pepper in his hair? You know, a little bit of gray hair, Clint Barton? Come on, man. It's too good. We need that. We need that. We we do need that. And speaking of characters who are going to have gray in their hair very soon, Obi Wan mm. Kenobi. How about that transition? Rushed like it, that one? Rushed it. Right in the fucking screws, man. <laughs> People <laughs> on Twitter uh, complaining about you know how does Obi Wan Kenobi go from uh, Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness in nine years? My answer to that: There's two sons on Tatooine, and he's a pretty <laughs> pale guy. He's going to yeah. age twice as fast. That's how that works. Yep. That's my head cannon. Obi Wan Kenobi part three on the other side. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi has dropped three episodes in the span of five days. Star Wars fans are extremely spoiled right now, and we're eating it all up. Matt, before we dive into our initial thoughts from Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 3, I just want to give my thoughts on the first two parts of this series. I will admit the viewing experience was nothing special. I watched them on my phone in an airport terminal as I waited for my flight that was delayed and delayed and delayed because of a South Carolina storm. Hey, it happens, whatever. We got through two episodes of Kenobi and the Wi-Fi in this airport was actually pretty prime. So we love that. Always trying to look (laughs) glass half full. But the content in the first two episodes, I really appreciated because even though there's a lot of nostalgia to be had and a lot of fan service to be delivered, it didn't feel like they were forcing it. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi is no character you want to root for in these first, I mean, we're behind him, but we're like, come on, man. You're, remember who you are, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like sure, it's been 10 years and the galaxy is a desolate place for Jedi and all that. It's been 10 years. Nice, nice. But you know, you know, put a little smile on and every time he tries to get a little optimistic, he gets hit back in the face with, oh, like you were supposed to train Anakin. Damn hit me in the heart. And then the one that everyone's been talking about on Twitter, uh, just you remind me of someone. I'm getting chills right now just saying that. So good. There were some moments that I had issue with, uh, just like everyone else. Uh, Leia running through the forest and those those guys. (laughs) Bro. Just grab her. (laughs) Bro, like she's right there. Like they they were, I wasn't even like get your cardio up because it's clear you're you're pulling your your speed. It's clear that you're meandering around. I wish they could have shot that a little better, but you know, it's Star Wars. There's a little bit of suspension of disbelief to be had. Well, okay, but hold on. Let's let's dive into that little <laughs> right there. Um, we said it last week on the podcast. I think it remains to this episode. There's a chase seed problem 
in the Lucasfilms organization. They have a problem with chase seeds and they need to get it under control because it happened to get here. Stop making these people run so slowly. I'm sick of it. Like, 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 uh, you know, quick spoilers on part three. Uh, when Leia runs up to the cargo ship and always like, wait, no, hold on, come back. I'm like, dude, <laughs> grab her. <laughs> like, like, this is a problem. Um, anyway, I did have one more quick question for you on episodes one and two. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I had no idea that Leia was going to be a part of this show. I was floored when baby Leia was not just revealed, but a main character in the show and will be until the last episode at this point. How did you feel when you saw it? Did you see anything online about it? Were you, were you privy to Leia being a part of this show? Because personally I was shocked. I, well, I expected her to be in the show in the same capacity that we see in the trailer, him watching Luke with binoculars and Luke hasn't had a line of dialogue yet to my knowledge. Right. No, not one. I, I expected Leia to be in the same way. You know, like we, we see her, we see her on Alderaan or something, but like, she's just there. I didn't expect her to be a full on, like you said, she's the female lead of the show right now. hundred percent. That's, that's crazy to say. And um, I guess I'll, I'll bring up this point now because it stands true with the first two episodes. I love, what was the thing I said going in to Obi-Wan Kenobi on our mini primer? I want specific lines of dialogue from A New Hope to have that much more weight behind them because we've seen some stuff before that grand uh not grand animal throne uh orson krennic's orson krennic's empty seat on the death star i'm like oh my god that belonged to krennic and i saw rogue one and i know how much impact that empty chair has now and it meant nothing in 1977 now when leia sends out the distress call of help us obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope it hits a little harder right yeah. and that's oh, yeah. awesome like that's yeah. awesome that's what these legacy projects should do they should enhance what came before them not take away from it absolutely and i love i i you know i've marinated with the whole leia thing and you know especially into this episode i adore how they're characterizing young leia and you know it's so much padme it's so much carrie fisher's leia it's you know it's it's very much both of those natalie portman and carrie fisher brought into one she is a leader she's rebellious you know, people have issues with her being a kid, but acting so much like an adult. Do we remember Padme from episodes one and two? Very much a child being a senator of a planet with a second city underneath the water. Just navigate all that. Like, that's a real thing that happened. Um, and then in this one, you know, uh, can you teach me how to shoot? You know, uh, all this stuff. Uh, she's going to be a good fighter one day. I think so, too. Um, when when she says, is it hard to pretending? No, is it hard to pretend? and all that stuff she's like yeah but it's worth it when you're helping people man is leia end up pretending a lot in her life love all of that stuff i'm off leia we'll get back to her but your thoughts on episode one and two we're digging the show we're digging the show i'm bought in i didn't need to be bought in but there's a lot of moments that made me pop made me perk up a little bit um so now i want to spin that back to you and get your initial thoughts on part three and then we'll dive into the fun stuff Part three is a mixed bag for me. Um, I feel like I say that a lot with middle uh, season episodes of Star Wars specifically. Um, uh, people are ranting and raving about this online and as they should because there are certain moments in certain, I'll say it, frames of this episode that are big pops, big impact. I think on paper, this episode is great. I think in execution, it's a little, letdown's not the right word. It's a slow episode. There's a kinetic energy 
um, issue I have with this episode specifically. There's just not a lot of, you know, engaging movement happening in this show. And that, you know, that wouldn't be a problem if there wasn't an extended fight scene or a chase scene in this show, in this episode specifically. You know what I mean? I've, and um, another, just one last negative in my overall thoughts part of it is, I feel like the first half of this episode, there was a lot of uh, suspense and tension being implied. I didn't feel a lot of it. You know, I didn't feel very tense uh, when Obi-Wan was in certain situations with Leia. I didn't feel that suspense when it came down to it. Um, That being said, you know, the plot points they delivered here, I love, and I can't wait to see more of it moving forward. It's just there, there was a lack of energy in this episode that I definitely felt. And I hope that that gets corrected moving forward. There's, there's some big narrative things we got to talk about here because are we jumping the shark? That's a big question I have, and I can't wait to dive into it with you. What are yeah. your overall thoughts, Liam? Well, my overall thoughts, I was, I was about to just transition into to spoilers because my overall thoughts don't really expand upon what you said, but I will give a little bit more um, insights into uh, what, what you were saying and expand upon where uh, my head's at. I completely agree. I, this episode did not blow me away, and I saw the brief Twitter reaction um, to this episode and I was like I felt the same way how I felt about how some people reacted to multiverse of madness where it was like just because Reed Richards is in this movie it doesn't make it great you know what I mean and I feel like this isn't I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler but like Darth Vader's in this episode like shocker right you know we saw it at the end of episode two just because Darth Vader's in this episode does not mean it's peak television. Like if, if you genuinely felt that way, awesome. And I, I'm, I'm happy that like narratively this worked. It's not a bad episode by any means, but some people calling this the best episode of Disney plus television ever done. Brother, I know this is not even in the top five. Like, come on, just because Darth Vader shows up. Like that does not automatically put it on a level that's untouchable. Like to me, that's such a dangerous thing to do because now it's kind of saying, oh, if this character that has a lot of history just shows face, it's automatically great. And there's a great article on the direct.com right now about does Marvel, DC and Star Wars have a cameo problem and stuff like this only feeds that narrative of like, it's only good because remember hey remember you know that guy he did the breathing thing james earl jones huh come on and it's like shout out james earl jones like it was it was good and it was like i enjoyed it for the most part but nothing blew me away and i think it's been i think it's being overrated like i don't even think a little overrated i think this episode is being 100 percent overrated and i'm glad i got that out of the way because now we're gonna actually gush about this episode there's a lot to love and i don't Mm -hmm. want people to not hear what i'm not saying Um, but we can't do that without going into spoiler 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 I don't know if that's going to pick up on the mic I don't know if that's going to pick up by the mic spoilers 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 Obi-Wan Kenobi spoilers we tried we tried you know what these Elgato mics are pretty solid same brain these guys don't don't miss so uh hopefully that Shout out Elgato. If you want to talk, we're here. (laughs) Shout out Elgato. Um, Hopefully that translated to to your listening ears. But Obi-Wan Kenobi, part three. Matt, uh, we'll start with the guy that we just talked about, Darth Vader's arrival. He's here. He's big. He's bad. 
It's Vader from 1977, which is awesome because when you have a character that's in a full body suit, you can make him authentically feel like he did feel nearly 50 years ago. How do we feel about Darth Vader showing face here for the first time on Mustafar too? Um, Like I said in my overall thoughts, I think that on paper and in certain big moments, Darth Vader showing up here is awesome. I think it's awesome to see him on Mustafar. I think it's awesome to see him talk to the Inquisitors the way he does in such a manipulative kind of way, which I think is very cool. Um, I think that I was shocked when he landed on the planet that they were on and like was scouring the city and scouting for Obi-Wan himself. I was shocked at that. I was even more shocked when him and Obi-Wan actually confronted one another. Um, To have that in this episode with... Yes, there's technically buildup if you watch episode three and you, you know, listen to the flashbacks and, you know, all that stuff. There wasn't a lot of buildup to that moment right here in this episode. You know what I mean? Like in in the 45, 50 minutes we got here, the suspense leading up to that moment just wasn't there for me. Um, But that's not to say it's not awesome to see him walk through the city and just break necks. And, you know, just, just be that horror villain. He's Jason. And, and it's great to see that because Darth Vader is the greatest movie villain of all time. And um, I think the prequels do a lot to hurt that. Bringing that back here, just making him that horror villain. Great. I love that. Um, but, and we'll talk about the fight, I assume, more extensively. But just him showing up, him talking as much as he did, him breathing as much as he did. I was shocked. I don't, I don't not, I don't dislike that he's in this episode as much as he is. The context in which he's in this episode, I wonder if that could have been saved for a bigger moment because I feel like they're going to do that thing that I have an issue with with Falcon Winter Soldier, where Carly learns that Sharon Carter is the power broker, but no one else does. We're going to have to see someone understand that Sharon's the power broker again when we already know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to be kind of just like doubling down on something that doesn't need to be doubled down on. I wonder if we're going to have any sort of <gasps> or, you know, big like, oh, my God, it's happening once they have another meeting or another battle. You know what I mean? Like, I just I, I feel like they this is the biggest moment of the show. It could be, you know, if you told me before the show started. Obi-Wan and Vader meeting for the first time. That's going to be the climax of the show. I would have believed you. I wonder if that's what we got. And I'm I'm curious to see how they play that. What do you think of Vader just showing up in this one? Well, I would be shocked if we don't get another Kenobi versus Vader duel. Because right. especially too, Kenobi was not, not that he was holding back. He was paralyzed by fear. Like he didn't want to fight Vader. And I don't think he, it wasn't him not wanting to fight Vader because he didn't want to fight his friend. He was just terrified of what Anakin has become. And he knows that he's a shell of himself. It takes all of his willpower to use the force in the smallest ways, you know, that he was able to do easily um, in episode three. So Obi-Wan versus Vader, I was let down by only if this is the only time they duel. If they duel again, this was a great setup to that. As for Vader's arrival, um, I liked the continuation of his, Uh, castle on uh, Mustafar because it has a nice like thread with Rogue One and obviously there's precedence of this location I believe in like legacy books or the comics or whatnot but it had only been seen for the first time in live action in Rogue One so I like that now when we return there in Rogue One whenever we you know rewatch Rogue One after Kenobi it feels a little bit more connected and, and stuff like that as for Vader's arrival too 
like you said, the horror villain of him just not caring. Like he was like, no, no remorse, snapping necks, pulling people out. I thought he was going to try to do the hostage situation of like, here, I got, I got this family, like Kenobi come out right now or else I'm going to kill them. And no, he didn't even give them the option. He just like was inflicting pain, showing how much strength he has. And he knew where Obi-Wan was the whole time. Like he's the same way that like Kylo Ren could like read Snoke's mind with the force and everything and turn his lightsaber on him and all that. Vader obviously has the same power with the force. He's one of the most, you know, biggest force users of all time. And so him just kind of tracking down Kenobi while also just kind of flexing his skills on the way there, I thought was dope. And uh, again, it didn't like make me perk up. It didn't make me like lose my mind. But that being said, that's not saying it was bad. I just don't think that this is like the greatest Star Wars we've ever seen. I just feel like this moment, the things we got here should have been a lose your mind thing. And, and I think that that's what a lot of us were most excited about. I mean, how many tweets from people like, oh man, when these guys meet, it's going to be insane and all this different stuff. I, I get what you're saying about how Obi-Wan was like very much holding, holding back quote unquote, or, you know, not able to, you know, open up the governor and let it roll kind of thing. He couldn't tap into that side of himself. Right. I think, for, and, and this is Monday morning quarterback. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a guy who talks on a microphone. You know, what, what the hell do I know? I would have preferred, you know, looking back, if what if we got like this whole chase scene between Vader and Obi-Wan, which technically it was, you know, it was Obi running away from Vader. Um, what if it was like no lightsaber stuff? I think that there was enough action here outside of lightsaber stuff to save that moment at least you know like and they played it like that a little bit you know vader shows up out of nowhere and ignites his lightsaber and we see obi-wan reach for his and then he runs away and then he runs away again and then and then vader kind of forces him into using the lightsaber and this i think it would have been cool if he just resisted using his lightsaber um and here so maybe the next time they meet he's like okay i'm coming at you but this time i'm bringing the weapon you know i'm doing the thing and I think that the burning him in fire, using the force push that he used, which was Vader force pushing is different than other people force pushing mm-hmm. always. And it's always cool. It's never not cool because it's something about the cape, I think, you know, just makes his hand coming up very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just think it could have been so much more impactful if they saved the lightsaber part for the next time we see them. But I just, you know, and people are gonna, like you said, you know, just because Vader's in this doesn't mean it's great. This is... You know, I mean, there's arguments to be made across the board. This is the third best Obi-Wan versus Vader fight scene we've gotten. You know what I mean? You know, A New Hope had emotional weight. Episode three, obviously, is you know, the last 20 minutes of the movie. Um, and this, this just felt very Mickey Mouse to me. And I think that there was enough going on with Obi-Wan and Vader as far as just the chase. And I would have loved to replace all the lightsaber stuff with maybe some conversation. So down the line, Obi-Wan can understand he's got to confront him with battle and not just, you know, working around it like he wants to do. And, um, you know, that's just kind of my issue with that scene together. The fire stuff was sick. I wish it was just that. I wish that was the conflict we got here so we can get a battle later on. I I just hope the next time we see them, it's not just this again. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I do. Yeah, the idea of, you know, I thought you were more than a shield, you know, I thought you were more than a lightsaber, just leaving the weapon behind and have it just be hand to hand. But at the same time, 
I don't think I want to see these two fight hand to hand because I, it just would look, that's the thing about like Vader versus Kenobi, as opposed to Anakin versus Kenobi. I would love to see for as, as goofy as the flips can be in the prequels. It's entertaining. It's yeah. very fun. I would love to see them run back that style of fight. That just doesn't work with Darth Vader. Like I, I don't want to see Darth Vader doing parkour. It would look, it would look odd, right? It would come right. off as weird and clunky. He's more visceral. He's become a brute. He used to be a speedster, and just like Mickey Mantle clipped his uh, feet on the sprinkler in center field, then he became a power <laughs> hitter, and that's what Vader is now. He's a power hitter. He's gone awesome. from the one cool. spot to the three spot, and I think they should play to that strength. But at the same time. I want there to be a little bit more. I don't want Kenobi to be fighting defensively and running away. I want Kenobi to be taking the fight to Vader. But the issue is, come a new hope, you know, it has to align with how he feels in a new hope. That's the other Mm -hmm. thing. Like, you can't just have things change. Like, this has to work within the canon. And if we get there, great. If we don't, might sour me in the moment. But overall, I think it might be for the best. I wasn't so much suggesting that they have like a hand-to-hand fist fight or anything. I just think that if you're going to play it as Obi-Wan, you know, isn't at full strength, if you're going to play that narrative through this fight, then I just thought like, how cool would it be if like once he has that moment where he does tap back into the force, we see the lightsaber ignite for the first time. I guess, I don't know, selfishly for me, I was excited to see Obi-Wan use the lightsaber for the first time. And here it just felt like a waste of that moment. Mm-hmm. it started out as just a flashlight <laughs> like he wasn't no, using and, it. and that's the thing like they, yeah. they ignited it and he didn't use it for another like five minutes like i just ah you know like i, I wanted that to be the moment obi-wan is back is the moment he ignites the lightsaber now it's on where here it was just you know i did it, it's it just comes down to it. i feel like did they wasted a few pops i was expecting later on I do want to spotlight some good stuff, though, to, to be fair, because I, I know sure. it feels like we're, we're nitpicking a lot. And that's just because the, the ceiling for this show is so high. Like on paper, Kenobi is bigger than anything Disney Plus has ever done, including Marvel. Obi-Wan Kenobi has more name value than Falcon, Loki, Wanda Maximoff, Hawkeye, easily. Mandalorian wasn't even a character before that. Boba Fett is really just a toy. Like Boba Fett got popular because, hey, look at that guy. He has a cool suit. Obi-Wan Kenobi is one of the foundational pieces of Star Wars. So the bar is just super high. That's why we're nitpicking like crazy. One thing I loved, though, even if it was blatant symbolism, even if it was a little Icarus flying into the sun, Vader igniting some fire and forcing Kenobi into it. And the shots of Kenobi looking up at Vader mirror how Anakin looked up at Kenobi on Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith. Awesome. Yeah. Love yeah, that. Truly Symbolism, awesome. rich storytelling, like Vader wanting to torture him too. That's the best part. They're not hunting specifically. him specifically. They're not hunting Kenobi to kill him. They're hunting him to make him feel everything Vader has felt for the past 10 years. Yeah. And I, I, I love that stuff. And that's, and that's, that's really what I'm getting at is I wish it was just that. I wish that is, you know, we got more of that type of stuff. Vader toying with Obi-Wan as opposed to Obi-Wan cowering away from Vader. It's just, and, and that kind of stuff I thought played so well that I don't think we needed the small lightsaber stuff that we got. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily nitpicky. I just think that this is a story choice they made that I'm curious about because it, it could work out. It could play. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for a big battle with Obi-Wan and his lightsaber. How do we get there? 
Um, but, you know, wounding him like this, getting him on the down physically um, was just such a cool moment for Darth Vader because you can tell, like, Anakin's been thinking about that, right? Like, the next time I see this motherfucker, here's exactly how it's going to go down. And it went down exactly like that. And I thought that was, that's just a cool thing that they did there. When you're at home after, like, an argument with a friend and you're thinking of, like, all the great rebuttals you could have had. That. That's mm-hmm. that's Vader, just like for the past 10 years. He's like, this yeah. is what I'm going to tell him. This is what I'm going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Just like he's like st- sitting in the back to tank, just like theorizing, strategizing, being like, screw this guy. <laughs> um, beyond the Vader stuff, because there's, you know, this is a 47 minute episode. There's still more substance in this beyond Darth Vader's arrival and his first fight. I'm going to call it the first fight because I'm holding out hope we do get a second clash. We definitely will. We, we, we have to. Will. Like yeah. they also even beyond it not living up to the hype, it's how it ended. Like Kenobi ran away. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. neither guy really won. Like Vader on paper won, but it would have been by decision. It wasn't sure. by knockout. Like Kenobi escaped. So beyond that, though, we talked about it in our initial thoughts. How much we're adoring the Obi Wan and Leia relationship. Um, how did you feel about the expansion of their you know bond in this episode? Um, I'm loving Leia just being a little shit the entire time. You know what I mean? Like she's a bratty little kid and she's not going to listen to you. And I love that because that's who Leia is. You know, somebody who's going to have a bigger mouth than you, no matter who you are. And she, she's show so much showing that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the scenes they were in, in the first 20 minutes of this episode, I think there was a lot of implied suspense. I just quite frankly, didn't feel it. So, you know, that like tonally was a little bit of a letdown, but the characterization of Leia and how Obi-Wan's reacting to her is awesome because he can't help but to bring up Padme. Like, like when she brought up her mom, I was like, oh, but you, you led her right into that, man. <laughs> like you keep bringing it up. Um, so I just, I, I love the emotional, the implied emotional beats here. It works for me because this is so much a sequel to episode three, as much as it is a prequel to episode four. Um, if not more, you know what I mean? Like, like Padme has been a bigger faction of this show than I ever thought. And Obi wants a relationship with Padme. Um, you know, hey, that's gonna piss a lot of people off, man. Are you my father? I wish I could be, brother. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I could be. Um, it's 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 a fun relationship. I like that they're separated again. We get to see Obi Wan have a little drive to go get Leia now, um, and that'll be interesting. It's gonna be so funny after he has all this adventure with Leia and comes back to Tatooine, and there's Luke just still, you know, pod racing on top of his house. You know what I mean? Like Luke's been fine the entire time. Like like nothing wrong with them at all. Um, so uh, yeah, the the Leia Obi Wan relationship I think got better here, and and for me personally, it's just more little Leia being a great representation of both Padme and Carrie Fisher's Leia. Yeah, and a little uh, bit of Anakin too, because she loves droids. Which, that's a really good point that's a really good point and lola is a great name for a droid too shout out that that little little added bonus there uh i love the the little interaction too with the what what do they call him he's a transportation droid he doesn't communicate. The, uh, yeah uh the transport droid he doesn't yeah. talk but he does grip that billy club behind him though doesn't yeah. he, he really the way, does. he's about to knock that dude out the way he emotes is so funny because he's yeah. just like my dog on a lazy day just like walking around the house will just <laughs> stare at me yeah. for two minutes straight 
And I'm like, wow, you just don't get bored. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just staring at shit. So some, some droids in Star Wars, I like how they've expanded beyond just the 3PO's and the R2-D2's because obviously there's other units that are just like them. But now we have guys like K2SO and this transport droid and, and stuff like that. They all have their own little personalities, which is very much appreciated. One thing I did want to move on to, though, the Empire's chokehold on the galaxy, Matt. We really see Ooh. this. Um, I love it's tall. Tall is the planet we're on. Uh, no, no, tall is where they're saying they're from. Ah, that's the farming town that they're from. This is the mining town of um, Montopolis or something. It's got like a Greekish. It starts with an M. We'll call it the mining planet. <laughs> and and this mining planet, like like it uh, it said at the beginning, it's it's very much a nothing planet. It's just for mining. But Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, to his credit, gives it some lore because he says, you know, before. The empire stormed it. There were like, there were grassy fields and there were families and everything. And now it's just kind of serving one purpose. And to see this one truck driver, like it, you wouldn't think it does much, but it's the same way I felt about how in the Mandalorian, when you have that one Imperial guy who talks about the Death Star blowing up while the galaxy cheered and stuff like that. So goddamn good. Seeing the civilian reaction to stuff going on around the world seeing this one guy just being willing to go with the flow hey nothing wrong with the little order like i loved that because it goes to show that the empire is not just this like it's of course it's an evil galactic regime like it's a monarchy they have a chokehold on this section of the galaxy but they're not going around and slaughtering every single person there are people who are willing to comply and their lives are fine this truck driver complies and you know I think it cost him his life. I, Kenobi just kind of pushed him to the ground, right? There's no yeah, way Kenobi... It, was, it like, was the old butt of the gun in the back of the head situation. Okay. So, you know, it, it cost him a concussion. But other <laughs> than that, you know, pretty pretty standard. How did we feel about this, like, little chokehold that the Empire has on the galaxy and how they're showing it through very smaller means? We're not getting Death Star beams blowing up planets, but we are getting the occasional stormtroopers taking over a little mining facility. I talked about it last week. The world building of this show so far is my favorite part about the show. We, you know, we got it in episode one with uh, what's Obi-Wan's job. He mines fish meat because Tatooine used to be an ocean. Oh, awesome. Um, the second one we see tomorrow Morrison as a veteran clone trooper who needs some money because he's a veteran on the side. And that is kind of the same thing as you're talking about. Like this is a, like a clone trooper, a stormtrooper essentially. The representation of evil in movies is a stormtrooper. Like, like those are the bad guys in movies, like always, forever. To see one sitting there on the side of the road asking for money, like that's a veteran. That's a, a somebody who served our galaxy in the eyes of the people. And then again here, like you said, with the uh, cargo driver who's just like, hey, man, you know, I'm just, you know, we're doing good. It's, it's the greatest line in all of the prequels. It's one of the greatest lines in all of Star Wars. So this is how democracy ends and thunderous applause. And I love the idea of, you know, we know that the Empire's bad because we've seen Yavin. We've seen the movies. We know what ends up happening. We know who Darth Vader and Palpatine are. But in the eyes of the general public, they are not the bad guys. They're just the government. And that's, and that's something that is so cool that they keep building out in little ways here. And I think it's really fun for us as the viewer to know that, you know, it's a parasite. It's not, it's not good. It's just winning. You know what I mean? It's it's the New England Patriots. You know, everybody hates the New England Patriots, but they are the greatest football team of all time. You know what I mean? They're winning. They're on top. We can't not 
you know, respect that in certain circumstances. And I love, you know, the empire, the empire meme is, you know, uh, uh, the Lakers, the empire, the Patriots, the empire, all this different stuff. It's very much being cemented here. And I love that aspect of the show. Something I didn't expect to love so much, but um, the imperialistic chokehold, as you put it, I think is a very cool thing I'm loving in this show. Can't wait to see more of an Andor as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good shout, Andor. Yeah, it's there. It's not good. It's just winning. That's that's a really good way to sum up how the Empire is in the galaxy at this point. One thing I did want to spotlight before we go into where we're going in future episodes is that little truck ride with Kenobi, Leia, and the Stormtroopers. I just I love good dialogue, Matt. It's my favorite aspect of the MCU. And when the Stormtroopers are questioning Kenobi. And never really trusting him, but also buying the story a little bit. And Kenobi slips up and says Leia. And the stormtrooper was like, you said her name was Luna. And Kenobi, his expression doesn't change. You can tell he gathers his thoughts for a second. And then he looks up and goes, Leia was her mother's name. Her name is Luna, but she looks so much like her late mother. And he just continues the story like that. I was like enthralled. I was like, this is just great. Like, writing acting like it's a very it was here's why i enjoyed it so much i'm realizing now it's because it was a moment of tension that i shouldn't feel fearful because both of these characters grow up both of these characters survive another nine years so who cares what kind of shindigs they get into on this truck ride because they're both gonna make it out unscathed but in that moment i was like oh man you just got caught in a lie and then he continued it so effortlessly i was like this is genius shout out to Deborah Chow or whoever ended up writing the script. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a good flex of Obi-Wan's conversational skills. I, I personally didn't feel the tension as much, but I do like that that is, that's the most emoting that Ewan McGregor's really showed here other than fear. You know what I'm saying? Like we saw that amazing, now iconic moment last week where uh, Reva, who I wish there was more of in this episode, um Reva um tells him Anakin's still alive like that is such a great expression Hugh McGregor brings that this was Hugh McGregor thinking on his feet getting the one up on somebody for the first time in this show um which is a really cool thing to see yeah uh I I I do think that it was because when you're like locked in the moment like for whatever reason like today especially uh because I, I watched the first two episodes in an airport terminal i tried to like be like all right we're zoned in on kenobi we're not even we're, we're gonna shut our brain off of what happened before what happened after what trailer footage has shown us and for whatever reason that moment just kind of extra gotcha. locked me in which i very much appreciated where we're going though you mentioned her reva even though she didn't have a ton of screen time in this episode the third sister herself does end up with leia in her grasps um, well, not actually in her hands, but that's the episode's cliffhanger. You know, she confronts Leia at the end of that little tunnel, little underground railroad for Jedi, which I thought was so dope. Like, you know, I love because like straight up the Empire, Lucas has said it before. The Empire is based on Nazi Germany. Yeah. Like it's very abundantly clear. 100%. They, they Nazi salute in The Force Awakens, just with two hands instead of one. And do you have 100%. this like little hidden terminal the path which is just straight up the underground railroad helping jedi escape i love that i love the historical influence that our real world history has on these fictional stories that being said though where we're going third sister has leia obi-wan kenobi 
escaped maybe hopefully i don't know we'll see what happens with him um what how do you feel going into episode four which will be officially the back half of the season it opens up a very interesting can of worms for me um because reva and han from fast and furious have shown that they are petty fighting for vader's attention um you know they they have that moment in this episode where reva's like yeah i already told him and Han's like, uh, what, uh, fifth, fifth brother, right? Fifth brother, I believe. Can I just call him Han? Is that cool? I, I know him as Sung Kang, right? No, that's Han Fast from Fast and Furious. Well, the only reason why I wouldn't say Han is because Han is like a like a third most. Oh, a very famous character in Star Wars. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, good call. Good call by you. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but no, the fifth brother is like, what do you mean? You already talked to him yourself? And then like two scenes later... Reva's like, I'll let Vader know. And he's like, don't worry, he already knows. And they're like, ah, you know, I'm I'm going to get him to like me more, all that stuff. Um, you know, so Reva having Leia is a very interesting thing because, all right, Liam, I'll, up to you. What are the odds that Leia and Vader meet next episode? Oh. Like, wouldn't Reva bring her immediately to Vader? Because they're on, it's not, it's not even just that, you know, Reva's trying to, they put Vader on the same planet as everybody else. So why wouldn't Leia and Vader meet next episode? Remind me again in terms of canonical stuff. Le- Luke tells Leia that Vader's her father. Yes, Leia and Vader have a relationship from Jump and New Hope. It's like one of the first, mm-hmm. one of the first like lines of dialogue in the show is between Leia and Vader. You're yes. a rebel scum and a traitor. You know, like that's Vader talking to Leia. So like the fact that the idea that their relationship begins when she's ten. It's, it's very interesting and something very delicate you need to play with. Okay. Yeah, then I, I think it works and I think it plays. And I now that I've, you know, rationed, because it's been a while since I've watched the original trilogy, now that I know where the canon is, I think it's something I want to happen to. Yeah. Leia, it, there's such a heavy implication in A New Hope right from the jump that Leia not only knows who Vader is, Vader not only knows who Leia is, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. They are combatants, you know, because Leia's dad, very much a part of the Empire. We know he's on the good guy side, but Obi-Wan calls it out in this show. You know, there's some people trying to do good. That's your father. So the idea of Vader being like, you're this kid, you're you're this guy's kid. You know, I know, I know that you got it against me. I know you're a part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. The fact that that might start when she's a kid, it's it's intriguing for sure. It, you got to handle that with gloves, though. That is that is a canon thing. You cannot give away too much. I think it would be a huge mistake if there's any sort of hint toward Leia or Anakin that they're related. Because Vader doesn't find out that Luke and Leia are his kids until uh, episode five. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're this, he's the son of Anakin Skywalker. Vader's like, that's impossible. Um, that's impossible. Um, <laughs> but um, I think if they hint at that at all, it's going to open up a very scary canonical can of worms. Canonical can of worms. I would, yeah, love that. My um, biggest fear. <laughs> uh, canonical worms. <laughs> literally. literally. Um, I, I completely agree. And I do actually, now that you mentioned it, you know, coming off of last week where Jack Hughes and David Thompson were probably able to point out individual droids and tell you all of their character history from Clone Wars. Here I am being like, yeah, so Vader and Leia know each other, right? In the yeah. original trilogy. Anyways, I digress. Smell your stench from anywhere, Lord Vader. <laughs> I want to see 
also why Alderaan? Like, I want to see Vader have a vendetta against Alderaan so that when he's wanting to blow up a planet, <laughs> there's a reason why he chose Alderaan instead. That's well, another way. What's up? Tarkin chose Alderaan. Right. But like, why the Empire specifically? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, having, having that expansion upon the individual lines of dialogue, the individual moments from A New Hope, I think would be just that. That's what this series I, I've hoped would set out to do. It is expand upon the stuff we already have in a good way, enhance it rather than take away from it. Um, what's left to be desired in the back half of this show? As Matt looks at me with his jaw on the floor. Breaking news. Okay. From Deadline. This is not Star Wars related. Sorry about that. Is this DC or MCU? Suicide Squad breakout. Daniela Melquire will appear in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's awesome. I'm already excited for it. She's my favorite character in that movie. I wonder. I wonder who she plays. I think it'll be a one-off situation. Oh yeah. Or maybe it's like a small cameo, like Palm Clementine in Suicide Squad. Especially if it's this far along into production that mm-hmm. is being reported, probably be something pretty small. But, yeah. Wow. Speaking role, that? I bet though she's a you know she's a stud. Ratcatcher 2, making her way into the Marvel Cinematic Far, far away. A different galaxy far, far away. But back to to (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi, what's left to be desired. Uh, I'm going to say it. I think we said it on our mini primer before. I know there's only six episodes, but like, I want a flashback episode. Like, I want to see, I want to see Hayden Christensen. I want to see Anakin Skywalker. I want to see like full on interactions between episode 2.5 kenobi and anakin because obviously if if hayden christensen is going to be in the ahsoka show that's going to be a flashback capacity because that ahsoka show i believe takes place between six and seven so vader's not around anymore um so we will get our anakin skywalker fix eventually but like i'm hungry now so so give it to me now yeah, we got a small glimpse of him in this episode. Uh, very off of the distance with a hood on, all that stuff. I mean, so far in this show, in a show we've seen a good amount of Darth Vader, Hayden Christensen's performance is as important as Vin Diesel's performance as Groot. And Hayden Christensen's not even doing the voice. You know what I mean? Like, like James Earl Jones was Vader in this episode 99% of the time. Like, Anakin's moving in the suit, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. But if we don't see him out of the suit in these next three episodes, Hayden Christensen being in this show is going to be likened to the Purple Mask from Falcon Winter Soldier. You know what I mean? Like, just for promotion. So I think a flashback episode has to happen, if I'm being completely honest. I think it has to happen. I don't think we're going to get a talking Darth Vader. I don't think that's going to go down like that. It's, uh, uh, It's pain. You know, if I take that off, will you die? It'll be painful for you like like i don't think we see a talking darth vader i think it has to be a flashback i hope to god it's a full episode i'm the same way i i I want it to be a full episode because we need to separate ourselves from this story a little bit to get a little more emotional weight moving forward that being said i'm already starting to care less about the inquisitor stuff a little bit nothing against uh the character of reva who's growing on me more and more um, I didn't like her at first. I like how the the spoiled brat she became throughout it. I thought that was very cool. Um, but every time they cut back to her and the fifth brother, I was like, okay, let's go back to Darth, like right now. 
you know, it's just, it, they've put the biggest pieces on the board. How are the supplemental pieces going to play around it? That's what I'm looking at the most. Also, are Leia and Vader going to meet each other? Is this where they meet for the first time? That is now something I'm very excited for. And Inquisitors being Jedi who turned to the dark side too. And everyone, like, I don't even oh. think this is a spoiler prediction. Everyone and their mother expects that Reva was screwed over by Obi-Wan Kenobi in some capacity mm-hmm. as a youngling. And a flashback episode with Anakin and Kenobi yeah. only aids that storyline. It's not like it's not like we're pivoting. It's not like Correct. we're doing a Boba Fett situation where all of a sudden we're taking a hard left turn and having a fun one-off episode and then we get back to the actual show come the finale. I think that you could do a flashback episode that satisfies both prequel fans who want to see Hayden Anakin, but also continues the plot of this show overall. Uh, yep, you're absolutely I think, right. I think it all it all blends together very well. Yeah, no, I could I didn't think about that. A flashback can very much include Reva. She can kind of be the main piece of the flashback with Obi-Wan and Anakin working around her. You're hundred percent correct. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Episode four coming next week, a packed episode of the direct podcast. We're covering Miss Marvel's premiere, Obi-Wan Kenobi's mid-season premiere i guess that's what we call it these disney plus shows move at a thousand miles per hour so it's crazy to even think that we're at that point but there are a lot of streaming shows on the horizon some confirmed some in development some that we're just hoping get made one day on the other side we give our streaming project wish list well we are in the middle of the streaming era of content movies are happening Marvel's putting out four movies this year alone, three movies this year alone was supposed to be four. Um, and, you know, like there's a lot of big things happening in the universes you love. So much of that is happening in your living rooms, on your television, while you're sitting on your couch. We have Obi-Wan, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk's coming up, Blue Beetle's recording. The Mandoverse is ever expanding with Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Andor, etc. Stranger Things just dropped uh, season four, one of the biggest streaming series of all time. Peaky Blinders is dropping their last season, something that everybody loves. The Boys is coming out one more time on Amazon Prime. Streaming is king. The streaming wars are very much alive. So I thought we could take the universes we love, the red brand, the yellow brand, the blue brand. And what is our wish list? What streaming series do we want next? We know Disney Plus Day is coming up, one of the biggest streaming events in television history dc fandom will also happen within the next three to four months we're gonna get more streaming news what do we hope that is liam that's what we're coming to answer today a little ping pong a little back and forth our wish list uh back and forth of what streaming projects do we want to see announced within the year of 2022 liam what is the number one on your list well uh, are these gonna be like ones that actually have some realistic chance of getting made that's up to you to decide my man all right well i'm gonna go wish list i'm gonna go with full-on wish list back in the day when i was in elementary school i used to wish that Derek jeter would get traded to the red Sox from santa i would ask santa claus i'd be like santa because you're the all-powerful god of christmas somehow pull some strings and get Derek jeter on the red Sox. Get jeter on the Sox I, I think that'd be pretty funny and uh yeah, then I came to realize very quickly that, no, the, the things you get for Christmas are going to be very much budgeted toys, not actually crazy things that can't happen. But I'm going to harken back 
to that elementary school enthusiasm and and just blind faith I once had. And we'll go with the number one on my list, the number one probably on a lot of people's lists because uh, it just lines up nicely with six episodes on Disney+, Plus, six episodes, six Infinity Stones, Captain Steve Rogers, The Final Mission, him returning, each of the Infinity Stones, have it basically be an anthology series where each episode is dedicated to returning one of the stones. I want to see that culminate with him and Red Skull having that reuniting conversation on Vormir. I think that would be one of the coolest moments in Marvel history and getting Chris Evans to do a streaming show might be a tall order, but if we're going to have a final cap project, that, that final cap movie, essentially, it would be a show, but that final cap movie that we never really got because Civil War still feels like Avengers 2.5. I think that would be one of the best complete send-offs to his character without tainting the end of Endgame because this is something that happened in between. Absolutely. I think that um, that would be such a fun thing to explore. Um, I think our best chances are getting that in animated. If I'm being honest, that'll be a what-if season maybe. You know, what if Captain America? You know, that could be a cool like season three title. Um, you know, get Josh Keaton back to, you know, do his Steve Rogers. I think that could be a little more sustainable, but the idea of the anthology last mission returning the infinity stones. So cool. It's really just, we want to see Steve and Red Skull talk to each other again. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we're all here for. I think that's a great pick. My pick um, you've mentioned that before on my first pick going to be something I've mentioned before in nauseam really. Um, and it is an X-Men Disney plus series. I want it to be, um, especially coming off Stranger Things, uh, season four, part one. I am so convinced that the Duffer brothers and Sean Levy could spearhead an X-Men show in such a great way because there's something about the balance of young children and young adults in Stranger Things that screams X-Men to me. You'll have your quote unquote teachers be these Nancy Myers, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids. And then your students are the children, your Dustin's, your, you know, the main core of Stranger Things. That blend of age is so tough for me to kind of conceptualize a lot of the time because like, why would they be hanging out? Why would they be on missions together? All this stuff. Stranger Things does such a good job making that feel organic and real. And uh, I love all of those kids. I want that in X-Men. I want it to be Stranger Things meets Game of Thrones where the characters, the characterization of these kids is the main focus of the show, but there's different things happening all across the world. We have two or three mutants here, two or three mutants there. And Professor X is moving the pieces behind the, behind the curtain to get them all in one spot and become the X-Men. I just think that that is such an amazing way to handle the biggest IP in Marvel Comics history, the X-Men, um, outside of Spider-Man, of course. And that would be such a great way to delicately introduce the idea of mutants, different mutants that we can fall in love with, etc. Build the team from streaming and then give us a movie starring Miles Teller as Cyclops. That is my uh, first streaming project dream on my wish list. The X-Men are built for streaming. Like, it's so tailor-made... Um, I think I've said this to you, expanding upon your point too, with X-Men on streaming, have, you know, your streaming show be the gifted uh, school for gifted youngsters or call it the mutants. And then the movies are X-Men, like have the streaming shows kind of be the tie-in comics to the culminating event that ends up being the movie. I love that, especially with the young vibes. Uh, there's so many X-Men across the world that I'd love to see in a big spotlight capacity. Shout out Bobby Drake, Iceman would love to see 
him just i mean who's, i thought he was done well oh that's a really good question Do we need to fan cast another round of x-men it's been a, it's been a while it has been a very long time i love the miles teller pick of cyclops um top of my head i mean i want rudy pankow for human torch but if that doesn't work out i think he'd be a pretty cool sure. um ice man but he, he would be so much better as pyro because he I, he has the fiery side to him like ice ice man is a little bit more mellow either way give me more bobby yeah. drake give me bobby drake the in the end tomorrow i need it so much my next uh installment will go to the galaxy far far away one again we've mentioned on the podcast before and people have mentioned on social media before i'm just going to echo it luke skywalker jedi academy i'd love to see a series based on luke skywalker between episode six and seven and him training students beyond just grogu i'd love to see a full on academy and have a young Ben Solo in there as well. I think it'd be a nice bridge between episodes six and seven. And I know Lucasfilm is very gun shy to even touch the sequel trilogy right now. Everything we get seems to take place immediately following the prequels or immediately following episode six. Whether you like it or not, there's lore that goes beyond Return of the Jedi. And I'd like to see them not just shy away from it because I think there's a lot of great stuff in episode seven and any more Kylo Ren is something that I'm willing to sign up for. So get Luke Skywalker Jedi Academy off the ground and don't be afraid to recast like the, the digital stuff. It's great. It's awesome for the one-off episodes and we can praise the fact of how good the CGI looks. But at the end of the day, like it just feels a little weird. Like I don't want to have this whole show led by a robot. You know, it sets a very odd precedent too for the future of Hollywood that, oh, well, you know, even when you retire from this role, it'll live on in your name, image, and likeness forever. Like, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. Sebastian Stan, sign the deal. Play Luke Skywalker, Jedi Academy. Yep. I mean, that that would be bigger than Obi-Wan. <laughs> I'll tell you that yeah. much. It's like, <laughs> it would definitely be bigger than Obi-Wan. Um, something we didn't talk about with Obi-Wan. Uh, Leia naming her son Ben. Starting to make a little more sense. Yeah. Yeah. like a little more sense which is cool i was half expecting the pilot at the end of the tunnel to be hung um uh so Same, but it would have been so weird because of the age difference it it wouldn't make any sense they met in episode four mm-hmm. um but oh yes it would because of the age difference i just realized the pilot meeting the kid leia weird huh um i'm gonna stick in the galaxy far far away as well it's one word it's easy Everybody wants it. I don't understand. Cannot fathom why we haven't gotten it yet. Pod racing. Give me a pod racing show. Make it a motor car racing type show. Give it that vibe. We got a bunch of grease monkeys working on their pods and racing them. Like, just do that. And, and you know, build in small little bits of Star Wars lore. We don't need a Skywalker podcasting show. Just make a podcasting show. Maybe it's not all on Tatooine. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's pod racing on other planets and maybe there's this big, like, you know, world pod racing championship. And here comes the team from Tatooine. And it's the the guy who I'm forgetting who has just the coolest pod pod racer of all time. The, uh, the guy who messes with Anakin's pod race. I'm not going to try to remember his name, but anyway, give me a pod racing show. Give me more of that. Give me more of those sounds. I want it. I need it. Give it to me. Glup shit out, right? Yes, exactly what it is. <laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, though, a pod racing show would be really cool because it would be like 
the Star Wars galaxy is so expansive, right? And we always hearken back to lightsabers and stormtroopers and and uh, bounty hunters and all that in the Force. Like having a show that is just like, oh, it's set in the Star Wars universe, and that it's about that one thing from the Phantom Menace, and that's it. That'd be awesome. It, it would help expand the lore really well. It's the same kind of way that Mandalorian was like, you know, before Mandalorian came out. Okay, what's the show about? You know how there are bounty hunters in the movies? This is a show about those bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how they took just one small concept from the movies, the idea that bounty hunters exist, and made an entire show about it. And yes, it ended up tying in to the Clone Wars, ended up tying into Luke eventually, all that stuff. That's fine. But it happened organically. It happened progressively. It took three seasons to do it. I'm counting Boba Fett as one of them. Um, so a pod racing thing is just a small idea from the movies that they made a show about. That's the kind of Star Wars shit I love. Yeah. I love that, and uh, I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction of taking a bunch of stuff from a bunch of different movies and a bunch of different shows and bringing them together um, over on the Marvel side of things, Young Avengers. Uh, I think Young Avengers is tailor-made for a streaming show specifically just because it's a lot more attainable to get these actors, uh, you know, getting Robert Downey, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson to do an Avengers show mm -hmm. would have never worked. It would have been the most expensive thing in Hollywood history. Getting Haley Steinfeld, Elijah Richardson, uh, Aman Viani to, to sign contracts for a six episode series where we really get to flesh out these characters and do a lot of fun adventures and really expands that, you know, Disney plus budget a little bit and get some big battles and all that. I think it'd be really fun. And Young Avengers too, we talk about how characters like echo or agatha house of harkness those movies are not making 500 million dollars just based on the ip title alone that's not going to draw audiences in young avengers you put avengers in a movie title guaranteed to get double your investment you put in it so this would work as a movie based on the title alone but selfishly i want it to be a series absolutely i think that um it also kind of like establishes the hierarchy of Avengers teams a little bit, right? You have your movie Avengers and your TV Avengers. Of course, they're the young Avengers. You know, I like I like the idea of handling that kind of like the first season of Daredevil on Netflix where the Battle of New York is on a paperclip in the background or they mentioned, you know, ever since the battle, all those different things. Like have it be a very much background show. That's so comic booky, you know, to have to have like a panel of a comic book in the background is the event of another comic book, that kind of stuff. I think it could be really fun. Um, my last pick also in the Marvel realm, DC is just not, um, it's not at a spot where I'm hoping or wanting for anything because I don't know where the universe is heading. You know, I, I, I want Smallville again, you know, like I want that. I want modern day Smallville, but that's not, I don't know if that's possible. Um, I was going to say Miles Morales. I was, but you don't take Spider-Man off the big screen. There's too much money to be made. You know, you got to have a Spider-Man movie. Um, that's what comic book movies are. It's Spider-Man. So that's off the table. I'm going Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer is a character in comics that has such a unique history because we've only seen him in live action once. And it was in the lesser of two okay Fantastic Four movies. You know what I mean? Like the second one is panned pretty widely right like like that's like on the list um but it's the only time we've ever seen silver surfer in live action in the comics hell in animation silver surfer is a big character with his own comic people don't realize a lot of the time that the infinity gauntlet 
comic that Infinity War is based off of, the lead up to that is a 18 series Silver Surfer comic where it's Silver Surfer and Thanos going back and forth throughout the galaxy. So I like the idea of bringing Silver Surfer to Disney Plus, having just introduce him as a character, introduce maybe his origin for the first time, all this different stuff and have Galactus just in the background, a lot like Kang and Loki. And maybe that's how we introduce Galactus into the MCU in the same way that Thanos was kind of brought into Guardians as a background character. And I think that having that kind of vibe with Silver Surfer, who we all know has that connection to Galactus, like we knew Gamora and Nebula were the daughters of Thanos, like because they said it 800 times in that movie. <laughs> um, but um, I think that a Silver Surfer show can expand one of the more important characters in Marvel Comics in a way that we've never seen it before. I love that uh, Silver Surfer is a character that I've always been drawn to, but I really just don't know anything about him other than the fact mm -hmm. that he looks cool. And I, I'd love to be educated uh, through a show like that. I will say I loved Rise of the Silver Surfer, like loved it I I, at it. the time, at least I was seven years old. And the reason why I remember it so, so uh, significantly was because it came out in 2007 and Spider-Man 3 came out in March of 2007. And I loved Spider-Man 3 the first time I saw it in theaters. And I was like, my birthday party were all my friends. I'm taking you to see Spider-Man 3. And little old Liam didn't realize that a movie coming out in March, very slim chance it would still be in theaters come July. But guess what was in theaters? Fantastic Four, yes. Rise of the Silver Surfer. And I thought that movie was dope. I haven't watched it in a long time. I did rewatch the first Fantastic Four when it got put on Disney+. Plus. And I think that movie is god awful. I, I think it's I love it. One of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, and I love that's it. One, that's I think one it feels like an MCU me Matt, movie. Me and Matt disagree on that movie so hard, and I, I, it's, it's one of the one. It's like one of five that we have like opposite opinions on. I'll need to rewatch Rise of Silver Surfer to see if it still holds up. It, it doesn't. I promise you, it doesn't. But I might have that same, you know, childhood admiration for it that I had with spider-man 3 or even batman and robin the first time i watched batman and robin at like five years old on vhs tape i was like this is awesome whoa mm. driving cars on the top of buildings it's awesome yeah. <laughs> it's, it is awesome batman and robin is undoubtedly awesome it's bad but it's awesome um yeah spider-man 3 top 10 spider-man movie um i think the silver <laughs> surfer plays on disney plus just to expand the mcu cosmic you know there's so many different branches of the mcu there's now so many branches of the Star Wars universe. There's a lot going on and streaming is going to play a big role. Please reach out, let me and Liam know. What is your dream streaming project from the universes you love? Please tweet at us at Liam T. Crowley and at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M, B as in boy, K-E. We would love to hear it. And if we hear it, we will talk about your picks next week. Thank you so much for participating, fans of the Direct Podcast. That was a scheduling update. That was a Miss Marvel spoiler-free initial thoughts. That was a sizzle reel. That was an Obi-Wan Kenobi review. That was a streaming project wish list. Then that's an episode, episode 94 of the Direct Podcast in your ears. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Thank you all for so much supporting the episode last week. A lot of great uh, tweets I saw going out to special guest host, Jack Pews really warms my heart. Jack Pews is always a joy. And whenever I get to hear him on these microphones, it's always a blast. But Matt, no weekly recs this week. You no, know sir. why? Because we got the need. 
the need for speed baby Hell yeah. top gun maverick matt saw it i believe on the friday it came thursday. out <laughs> the thursday this dude did not wait one moment i yeah. saw it on the sunday at 10 in the morning and we got the last two seats that's how in demand this movie is matt let him know top gun maverick why is this the movie of the decade so far this and we talked about it last week a little bit me and david had our spoiler free thoughts we're going to dive into spoilers here so if you haven't seen top gun maverick please pause go watch the movie twice come back we'll talk about it um this is the best action movie they've made in decades and and it's to for my money i have some gaps of knowledge don't get me wrong have not seen the blade runner have not seen um dune all those different things this is the best legacy movie I've ever seen as far as like a remake reboot sequel of an old movie. This is as good as it gets. It's, it's just so it, it has captured the energy and the charisma of the eighties popcorn blockbuster and modernized it in so many different ways. I can't wait to talk about spoilers, but everything from the production, the cast, the script, the plot, this damn plot is so good. I'm a sucker anytime when they have a training montage for most of the movie and the final mission is the training montage mm -hmm. you know what i mean i'm a sucker yep. for it every single time and it's just so perfect in the same and i said it last week so i can't wait to dive into spoilers so i can say different shit but in the same way jurassic park is great because the concept is so good top gun is the same way fighter pilot movie the concept is a baseline awesome the fact that they made it as good as it was is an achievement shout out tom cruise thank you for doing what you do i love this movie i can't wait to talk about it liam what were your thoughts on top gun maverick to, to expand upon your list of the legacy movies from the 80s i will say i i think this is the best one ever done mad max fury road is a close one very good mad very max good. fury road is so fucking good love it Lo i i own that movie on blu-ray and Love I watch that in the background at least once every three or four months. It's so it's good. incredible. <laughs> it's the so music, good. the sets, the cars. Uh, also on that list, toss a Creed in there. Shout out Michael uh -huh. B. Jordan. Yep. Expanding the Rocky franchise. Uh, like you said, Blade Runner, Dune, all that good stuff. But man, Top Gun Maverick is one of those movies I call a miracle movie because mm -hmm. the emotions it made me feel. Like you said on, on our pre-production call, it's a blast of serotonin. I was not having a bad day. I was having a good day. I was coming off of a really good trip. I was at like an 8.5 already. And this movie nice. took me to a 12. What the yeah. hell? Like Rock this movie, 12. I laughed. I cheered. I genuinely cried. Matt, I don't cry. I, mm -hmm. I had my final citrus shows uh, over at Syracuse. I had my graduation. I said a lot of goodbyes to a lot of close friends. And I couldn't evoke tears, Matt. I don't know why. I don't know why, and it made me mad. I kept drinking water all day because I'm like, damn it, show some emotion, Liam. You weren't drinking the right things if you want to cry. <laughs> you weren't drinking the right things that make you cry. There's different <laughs> things you could drink that will make you cry. That's, that's probably why. But Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> the tears were flowing by the end. Just the, like you said, the setup, the payoff, the training montage into the mission being the final act, the fake outs of certain deaths, and I bought into it every single time. The cast is great. Shout out Tom Cruise for being such a goddamn movie star. I, I said this before. This dude negotiated a 120-day theatrically exclusive window. And by comparison, the Marvel movies only get 45. 
This dude got three times the duration in theaters because he's just that damn magnetic and charismatic. And he said, bet on me and I promise you'll get your return on investment. And this is the first time Tom Cruise has ever made nine figures in an opening weekend. First Tom Cruise movie to cross $100 million opening weekend. And it did 151, Matt. It did 151. This movie is single-handedly resurrect, not resurrecting the box office, but continuing the momentum and taking it to heights we hadn't seen before. And the summer movie season is in great hands. The summer movie season is in fantastic hands. Why is Miles Teller the next A-list movie star? Because he's magnetic, dude. Spoilers for Top Gun Maverick. We're going all the way to the fucking Goose from Top Gun 1986 is one of the greatest characters of all time. No one doesn't love Goose. I, I and, and this is sentimental for me, guys. So bear with me. You go to my hometown of New Palestine, Indiana, two stoplights and a McDonald's. You go there. There is 95% of that population who knows me, knows me as Goose. They don't know my first name. I am Goose. Because that has been my nickname since I was one years old, for whatever reason. And that moniker in my life has always been attached to uh, Anthony Edwards in Top Gun. One of the best characters ever. For Miles Teller to come in here and play Emo Goose and crush, just absolutely crush in every way possible. The look, the feel, the vibe. Dude, when he does that little dancing movement on the beach, me and Aaron just looked at each other, jaws agape. Like, that's a person. That's Miles Teller. That's the kid from Project X. What the hell? It's awesome. It's it's so great to see Miles Teller absolutely crush this role in so many ways. Um, all the way up to, you know, his name being Rooster. Awesome. His mustache and his blonde hair. Awesome. You know, he plays great ball, balls of fire on the piano, but he starts it off with a little piano man first. You know what I mean? He warms up, tickles the ivories a little bit. And I love that. I love that little that little jolt right there. And everything they did with him and Maverick that built to him being the co-pilot. Let's do some of that pilot shit. It's magnetic. It's the only word I can come up with for Miles Taylor in this movie. I love him. He's great. Thank you for letting me do that. Cyclops, please. Scott Summers, Miles Taylor. We need it. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I, I mean, come on, dude. When they were flashing back and forth too between the original Top Gun and that moment and Tom Cruise, like Maverick in that moment, realizing everything. Oh, it, it, perfect perfection. And also too, uh, I said this, I, I, I did a whole like raw out of the theater reaction video for this on Twitter. And I usually only do that for like movies that we cover on the podcast. I just had so much emotion. I'm like, I need to immortalize this in video. I usually have such a big problem with the legacy characters specifically. Star yes. Wars has the biggest issue in the world with it. And I'm guilty of it too. Leading up to The Force Awakens, I was like, oh my God, is Finn the son of Mace Windu? Is Rey the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi? It's like, no, they can just be their own original characters. And then of course, you know, we got FN2187, which is great. I love the Stormtrooper awesome. origin, but Rey Palpatine, Rey Skywalker, get the hell out of here. Hated it. Miles Teller being the son of the deceased co-pilot. At first, I'm like, are we really just going to do the kids of all the characters from the 80s? And no, it's really just him. And he serves the story. And when at the, my God, at the very end, when he tacks up the photo of him and Maverick on the bulletin board. Dude, I was crying. Talk to me, dad. So much. (laughs) I was so damn emotional. And it was just like. Uh, that's what you live for too. I have Amazing. a friend too. I'm going to call him out too. Shout out Nick, who told, who is so guilty of pirating movies all the time. And he was like, I just watched the first Top Gun and he was like sick with a hundred two degree fever. He's like, 
I really want to pirate this one. I was like, please don't. Please don't. Not because you're going to hurt the box office by doing so. And then, you know, the whole argument of like, how does my dollar really make a difference? Then I say, well, why do you vote? Why do you vote? It's why do you see Shang-Chi three times? It's because your voice matters. <laughs> and no, no, no dollar amount is too little. Go see it at a matinee for six bucks. It still yeah. helps keep theaters in business. Anyways, I digress. The point being, you need to see this in theaters because of the sound design and the cinematography and the actual stunts they pulled flying these planes I don't want to watch this. I will never, never watch this movie on a laptop or on a phone. If I'm going to watch it and buy it on Blu-ray, which I very much plan on doing, it will be in a home theater environment. 72 inches. I will not watch this in the daytime. I I will wait until it's nightfall. I will make sure I have surround sounds Mm -hmm. and I will wear my Top Gun aviator jumpsuit, which I own, which I wore to the theater on Sunday. And I'll have my aviator glasses on as well because this movie is immersive and I Mm -hmm. want to be in this world. And for a good five minutes out of the theater, I was like, should I drop everything right now and enlist? Should I do that? So that's what they did with the 80s one. They would set up enlistment camps outside of theaters, which morally, mm, (laughs) Uh, they saw a skyrocket of people enlisting after Top Gun. (laughs) I heard the the stat is like 4,000 times. Yeah, which questionable (laughs) at best, but... um, uh I, I before we get into action scenes that we love i do want to shout out glenn powell as hangman just the perfect Iceman dude he was perfect he was he was so money he does not stop smiling the entire movie he smiles <laughs> the entire time his logo where the a's are missing like a game of hangman yeah incredible touch yep and you know hey looking good hangman i am good rooster i'm very good yeah <laughs> it's like when when hangman comes back at the end of this movie and takes out not just the missile, but the plane too. I'm like, I'm standing up and cheering at a Top Gun sequel. Like, how do they do this? Like, it's, it's truly great. Liam, what are, what are some of your favorite action moments? Oh, well, I, I, is it fair to call this action? I mean, they're flying. It's all action. Anytime they're flying is action. I don't care if there's gunfire or not. When Tom Cruise is leading the Mavericks, leading the montage of, you know, trying to get them to evade up, that's a kill. That's a kill right there. And it's just, God damn it. It just keeps- You're doing payback. <laughs> the Miles Teller, you know, doing push-ups and everything. Love that. And- you know a little uh, bit about Rooster. Of course, the very end too, when um, they actually do execute the mission. And it's just like the the freaking outness of like, you're behind schedule. You're behind, you don't have a second to waste. Dude, when you see the cannons, they've been talking about the Sands the entire movie. But when you see them and you see the fear in everybody's face, like- they did such a good job making the canyon run and then the mountain turn so impactful. Like, like they ran it through so many times on a time basis, on a on an altitude basis, the maneuvers they have to pull, everything about it was just so well paced and put up that when we got to it, I could not care more about a third act. Like, like they made us care so much about that third act. One of my favorite moments is when they steal the F-15, which... Oh my God. Like, right. like when you bring back the F-15, like if you would have told me they were doing that beforehand, I would have rolled my eyes. No, it was perfect. Um, when they bring back the F-15 and they're doing the signals, you know what that means? Absolutely not. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> nope. Don't know what that one is either. Just keep moving your hands. Just wait. Just wait. Um, and they do that and they're like, okay, we got to fight. The first thing Maverick does, he doesn't pull back. He doesn't speed forward. He banks left and takes out the first plane with the guns. Mm-hmm. Like, like he knows, okay, I can get one and then it's a dog fight. Like I can get one for sure. And he does it so incredible. So awesome. Ugh. I also want to shout out the opening scene of this movie. Yeah. He's the fastest man alive. 
That's Maverick. He's the fastest man alive. I'm going to go a couple more. I'm going to do one or two more. And then he walks into that diner looking like an astronaut <laughs> just <laughs> crashed going Mach 10. Where are we in that little kid? Earth? Oh, oh my God. Dude, that's that Maverick, man. So good. Top Gun is a moment. It is my new personality. I'm sorry. And it's, it's everything, man. They made a perfect action movie. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, shout out Danny Ramirez too. Falcon Jr. in the MCU. Also fanboy and Top Gun. Fanboy. Come on, dude. <laughs> Epic. Uh, and all like fanboy too. Rooster. All the helmets having their own little design. Yep. Hangman is obviously the best one. Yep. Um, just because of the, the missing A's and everything. I also just love, I'm trying to think of more stuff I love because there's just so much. Uh, obviously John the, Hamm, the Ed Harris. <laughs> Yeah, Ed Harris. Shout out Ed Harris. Uh, Ed Harris is standing there. <laughs> um, the, the what am I forgetting? Oh my god, the beach scene, the the double football where it's like, football. yeah, Five offense and defense at the same time. It's a bonding activity. You said, uh, you said, make a team, John Ham. Here's your team. Here's your team. I almost expected playing for the boys to kick in a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like from the volleyball scene would have been cool. But that gif of Miles Taylor doing that little dancing thing. That's my Scott Summers. I, I don't want to hear any different. Yeah, I'm all about it. It's going to take some convincing to get him back into Marvel because I don't think he wants anything to do with that Fantastic Four movie. But hey, it's in the past. It was almost a decade ago. Come on. Oscar Isaac's rookie of the year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good we'll point. Forget. <laughs> very good forget. Point. Very good point. Come back. Kevin Feige will take care of you. Miles Teller. But anyways, that's Top Gun Maverick. That's our little mini review. Go see this movie. Go see this movie two or three times before Jurassic World comes out. We probably rant and rave about that because, again, these popcorn blockbusters, man, they're they're so cool. And as much as we both love, 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 love the Marvel, the DC, the Star Wars, it is really fun to also have a movie that's just fun action that doesn't have to rely on, on knowing stuff going in. You really only have to watch one movie before this. And honestly, if you haven't seen the original Top Gun, this movie will still land for you. Like the, the implications of the history, you should see the history first, but if you only yeah. have what they tell you in this movie, you're still going to walk away with the stupidest smile on your face and you'll play Danger Zone the whole way home. Uh, that's our Top Gun mini review. That's episode 92, 94, excuse me, of the Direct Podcast. Just a reminder, our Miss Marvel primer drops this Friday, June 3rd, just two days away before we get back to our weekly schedule that we have been on, but just one episode next week with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Miss Marvel dropping on Wednesday, June 8th. A lot of content. It's not slowing down. And I'm sure we're going to have some Stranger Things thoughts that episode as well once I am caught up. But thank you all so, so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We'll see you very soon.
go watch this fucking movie right now. It's so fucking good. It's so good, dude. I'm going to see it again this weekend once uh, my friend is unfevered. It's um, so fucking good. I can't wait to go see it. 